Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And today, you know what? All I'm going to say is hold your stomachs because we have got a comedian in the house today who's going to make you laugh while sharing all his great knowledge nuggets. So I want to introduce Larry Roberts, podcaster, speaker, Amazon number one best-selling author, and top-rated Udemy course cr- creator. Course creator. That's exactly what I meant to say. Larry has a fantastic 21-year journey of living into his passion. He recently transitioned out of his job to become a full-time podcast host and has learned that finding fulfillment in your career path is a necessary step to happiness. Um, Larry, okay, we were having some moments before we came on to record, which I thought were amazing, but I also noticed during the intro, you were making faces. Was, Was I? I thought you were. Were you watching the intro? Oh, yes. I, yeah, you caught me off guard. But yes, I most definitely was making faces because what was happening during the intro, I was seeing all these all these people that were showing up that have, that you were featuring in the intro. And I'm asking myself, what am I doing here? <laughs> I mean, I, I saw some I saw some Hal, Hal Elrod on there. I saw some Dave Meltzer. I saw a host of others as well. I'm like, wow, what? how am I possibly here today? So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, let's talk about that because I love to share with our audience why I bring guests on and how we got connected. So do you want to tell the story about how we got connected? Man, it's a crazy story and it goes back, well, I don't want to date myself too much, but a good 30 years. So (laughs) I went to a small school in a small town in Northern Texas and I just happened to go to school with a gentleman that you uh, are dating. So you guys have been together for years and years. Uh, Steve and I, you know, we we went to school together. He was an upperclassman, so we didn't interact a whole lot. It's not like we were running buddies or anything, but we knew who each other was. And well, I knew who he was because, of course, I looked up to him because he's an upperclassman. I'm like, that dude, he's the coolest. I want to grow up and be just like him. So uh, I tried to do that. Lo and behold, what it's been about a year now since you and I have known each other. 29ish years later, he reaches out, says he has uh, his 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 uh, girlfriend is a is a podcaster, and he knows that I have my podcast. So he's like, you know what? I'd like to introduce you if you if you'd like to know her. I said that'd be great. So he introduced us, and lo and behold, here we are right now together having this wonderful episode. I, and it's going to be great. And you know, people may question, how is a podcast host going to help with career advice, right? It's, it doesn't seem like a natural progression, but with all the conversations that you and I have had, I feel like it makes perfect sense to have you on here because we talk about finding your passion. We talk about, you know, really diving into what you love and you are the perfect example of this, the absolute perfect example. So tell me a little bit about your career path and what brought you to where you are today. Say that, that, Verbal communication has always been what got me wherever I was. It got me whatever I needed, being able to communicate effectively back and forth with others. I came right out of high school 
and uh, went into selling cars. I ended up not going to college, not going to school, had a little regret instead. So I had a little change of plans there. But the thing is, I went into selling cars immediately. I started selling cars because I thought for sure that would be the job. Well, I'm not having to flip burgers and there's probably some real money to be made here. So what the heck, I'll give it a shot. Took me six or seven tries to finally get hired. Then I got hired on, went through their training program, learned how to sell a car per se, uh, and then just went to work, man, and started talking to customers, learning how to build relationships, learning how to build rapport, and in doing so, sold a lot of cars. So I knew talking was going to be where I needed to be. Eventually, my career path evolved, and I ended up being a corporate trainer for a large company called Texas Instruments. If you're not familiar with the company, you're at least familiar with their calculators, I'm sure. Everybody uses the Texas Instruments calculator, at least they used to. And I was there for a few years, then I transitioned. I wanted to get out of the small town where I live, where I met Steve, and I wanted to move down to the big Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and live in the big city. So I got me a job down here as a corporate trainer as well. That position over 21 years <laughs> evolved. I wore a variety of hats, but all of it revolved around verbal and written communication and having the skill sets and understanding that that is where I, where, where I specialized and understanding that I needed to capitalize on that to find my career path. And so knowing that you were going to be a speaker and that you love to speak, you know, I mean, at what point, let's say before you even got out of high school, did you know that's what you wanted to do? I knew I wanted to talk at some point. I, I knew I needed to do something that revolved around speaking, whether that's standing in front of a classroom, not in a collegiate or a high school type setting, although there was one year where I was a, a, a private uh, tutor for one student at a special needs school. I was his teacher 24, not 24 seven, but all day long, every day, that's all I did. I had this one student. And uh, so I did go down the, the teaching route for a little bit. As a sub, I didn't need to be certified at this particular facility that I was teaching at. And the situation was unique, but regardless, I digress. The thing was, I knew that because you're going, you didn't even go to college. How are you being a substitute teacher? It's a great question, but it's a long story anyways. So <laughs> the thing is, I knew I wanted to talk and I knew that was going to be where I needed to focus. So facilitating and being a corporate trainer, getting in front of groups of people, helping them understand concepts and ideas and even uh, new pieces of software, whatever it was, training really seemed to be my forte. So that was the direction that I ended up going from a corporate perspective. So what, so you were with your company for 21 years and I know you parted on excellent terms with them. Yes. What, what was lacking in your speaking with that company in the corporate training arena that you find doing your podcasts? Well, it was interesting because the evolution of the company where I worked uh, it, it ended up being, there, there ended up being a less of a need for ongoing training. And they're an older company. They've been around since the early 1900s. I think it was 1915, I think is when it was founded. So they still have some of that mindset there where ongoing education isn't necessarily critical to the development of their employees. So what had ended up happening that made that position so successful for me was that in the late 90s, after I started working there for about a year and a half, I was already there as a training manager. I had six trainers underneath me, 
and I wrote and developed training procedures and policies for a 500,000 square foot distribution center. So I wrote all the manuals on how to pick orders, on how to drive the various forklifts and how to package orders and all that fun stuff. What ended up happening was this company is very global, but they needed to all be on the same system. So they implemented a software package. That software package going into every facility across the globe, it's gonna require some training. So it opened up an opportunity there for me to join part of the implementation team and be the trainer of that, what's called an ERP or an enterprise enterprise resource. What was it? Enterprise resource planning. There we go. <laughs> it's a software package. It's an ERP. I know what that is. But uh, that once that was implemented, things changed. There wasn't as much of a need to be in front of people. There wasn't as many opportunities to be a trainer. And the information systems or the information technologies department headed up that implementation process over nearly two decades. And I ended up just being an, an IT employee. So I started moving into uh, an analytics type role. And as I retired my position, I retired as an, uh, from the IT department as an, a business intelligence analyst using the Microsoft BI platform. What? <laughs> so that was my title and it didn't have anything to do with training didn't have anything to do with talking it had to do with sitting in front of a computer looking at data on top of data on top of data all day every day not the most fulfilling position for me while stable i just wasn't getting what i needed to continue to develop and i didn't really ever accept that role comfortably as at least as comfortably as I do standing in front of people talking. You know, I think it's so interesting that you started in a career path that you enjoyed and it morphed into something else. And then you had to kind of take it back. But, you know, and I'm the complete opposite. I started in a career that I didn't know I didn't really enjoy until I found a career I enjoyed. Does that make sense? Because 100%. you don't know what's missing until you find what's missing. It's, it's so interesting. So how would our candidates look for or find that job that's going to fulfill them? Well, first, they got to find out what fulfills them. I mean, th that, that search is always one of the hardest to find. You know, what is it that fulfills you? What do you do every day, whether it's from a corporate perspective or whether it's in your daily life? What aspects can you apply to a corporate position or a professional position uh, that you apply every day? I mean, for me, it was simple. I talk all the time. Whenever I got in trouble in school, it's because I was talking too much. So I knew talking was going to be the key, was going to be the role, man. Each of us obviously have our own individual strengths and our own individual directions or callings in life. But we have to identify those first. Then we have to get creative. Once we understand how we can apply our direction or our calling in life, we have to learn how to creatively apply that direction in a variety of roles. So we may not have the perfect role every time, but can we creatively fit ourselves and have that role also fit to us? And can we meet in the middle and start looking at how we can apply our calling to a particular role? I, that is so interesting what you just said, because not every role is going to be 100% of what fulfills you, right? Sure. But if you can get to where it's 70 or 80% of what fulfills you. I, I think in the long run, you're gonna be happy. And I, and I think I'm a perfect example. And I, and I have just about decided that I have to switch careers like every so many years, because I 
tend to get bored, especially, I mean, I did accounting for 20 years, but then once I got out of that and started switching, I was like, oh, this is fun. Oh, this is fun. Let's go start a podcast. That'll be fun. You know, let's go get to be a certified coach. That'll be fun. You know, and I think that, but at the same time, I still have my main role that I do as a recruiter, you know, and the other things fulfill me. And so does recruiting. I love recruiting, but I think it's good to have that multifaceted, you know, avenue to go on to find that fulfillment. Yeah, I think the flexibility is so critical in everything that we do. We have to be somewhat flexible. I, I think today there's a, a bit of a misnomer where we can we can get locked in into one one mode or we can be laser focused on one goal. And that's great. We can accomplish that goal. But maybe we could spread the lens open a little bit wider, shed a little light on some other aspects of that goal and go, oh, OK, I only saw this in my sights, but if I look to the left or to the right, here's opportunities for me to do exactly what I love to do as a part of this final goal. It is so awesome that you said that. And I think it's so important. I think so many people hold themselves to that rigid path, like I did for 20 years in accounting. That's what I studied, that's what I went to do. So how could I possibly do anything else, right? And you start to feel like you're in a rut. And I think that it's so important to give yourself permission to make those pivots and to, mm -hmm explore and be curious about that which might fulfill you. And, and it may not be the first thing you explore. It may be 10, 10 times down the road what you explore. But I think it's important that you at least have that curiosity about it. Definitely. You know, I sit back sometimes and I think of, I think of myself as Forrest Gump. Uh, and my wife does too, but for different reasons. Uh, but, <laughs> but I think of it because if you ever read the novel Forrest Gump, dude, that movie doesn't capture half of what he did in his life in the novel. Exactly. I mean, he went to space, he had a pet monkey, he had all kinds of these things that he did throughout his life. And I've done the same thing. You know, I sold cars, I did voiceover, I taught karate for years. I, I have fought competitively for a couple of years. I, I mean, I, you name it. I, I got lost in, I hate to admit this one, but I, I got sucked into World of Warcraft for years. And I was a nerd for, <laughs> I'm still a nerd, but I was a gaming nerd for years on World of Warcraft. And it was just I, all these pivots, but at the same time, they still revolved around one thing. And that was communication. You know, I communicated with the karate students. I communicated in this silly video game that I played for years because it takes, I'm not going to go off on a, a wow kick here, but it takes a lot of communication to do, to play World of Warcraft effectively. So the same skill sets were being used in so many different arenas and other individuals can do that exact same thing if they just kind of maybe step back a little bit and maybe reevaluate. So I want to kind of take this back to our candidates for a second and talk about, you know, how to get past the job description. Let's just talk about burnout for a second. You know, I mean, a lot of people get into a role and then it's not exactly what they wanted. How can they make that role their own and avoid that burnout that we see so often, especially right now? Just mix it up. Uh, and, and again, look at it, change the perspective of what you're doing. Granted, you can only change so much because a role is going to require certain deliverables. So you're still going to have to step up and deliver whatever that particular role. However, you can do it in a variety of different ways. I mean, if, if you 
look at my studio behind me here, it's it's pretty wild. It's pretty crazy, right? It's pretty Larry. It's pretty loud. Well, I did the same thing at, at the office. Everybody knew where Larry sat at the office. I can promise you that much because <laughs> it was very uniquely decorated. It was very mine. When I came to the office and I made my way to my work work area, wherever it was, I, I've had offices. I've had cubes over these last 21 years. It just depended on what the office needed, but it was always decorated to to, to Larry level. And it allowed me to come in and step into my world, even though I was there to fulfill a certain requirement, whatever that requirement was. So bring a piece of yourself to the office. Uh, I see a lot of people that come to the office and they're just kicking rocks, man. And their 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 cubicle or their workspace, it's just it's empty, it's just blank. There's no emotion, there's no connection, there's no commitment. You got to get in the role. It's it's your job, but at the same time, let's look at this thing. It's our life. We spend a ton of time at the office or wherever our role takes us. Make that role yours and customize it to as far as they'll let you. You know, I've had some bosses go, Larry, what, why do you have all these posters everywhere at the office? This does not look professional. And I'm like, hey, man, it's my gig, so back off, bro. But <laughs> I didn't say that for real. But I, there were times when I had to conform, you know. I had to go ahead and uh, and, and fulfill their requirements as well. But at this time, there's always that Larry Flair that, that, that came up over the you know, and I think that is so important. That's such a great piece of advice that you bring a piece of yourself to the office. You know, I love to put – I'm a nerd too, and I put like – inspirational quotes all around my and I'm in a cube I sit in the bullpen you know because I want to be amongst the energy and it's I have like all these quotes but it's gotten so bad I've brought so much stuff up to the office I've flowed over into the empty cube next to me it's <laughs> it's so bad because I can relate, you know you look behind me right now you'll see all my little vinyl pops Dude, I had all my vinyl pops were at the office at one time. They're all in the shelves and my flip top and all over. My, I mean, they're everywhere, but it was a great little environment. It's almost like I would go to work and I was like in Smurfville and I may be dating myself there. Some people may not know who Smurfs are, but it was just I'm all Smurfette. I just went into this world that allowed me to focus and allowed me to concentrate on what I was doing. But I did it in my world. And I think that's so key is to bring a part of your world with you to the extent that you can within the confines of the requirements of the position, but to the extent that you can bring it with you. It's, it's really, it's, it's what you do. It's, 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 it's every aspect of your life is going to revolve around this. This is how you survive. So bring yourself to the table as well, not just your skill sets. I, I think that is so such great advice in that way you, and be your authentic you like, I mean, you don't care if people think you look like a nerd. You authentically are, are you, own that you whoa, whoa, love whoa, whoa. Are all you this stuff. Something right now. Do what? Is it, are you applying something right now? No. Is it the glasses? Is it, what is no, it? The hat? I love I mean, I all understand. your stuff. I've already told you, Grogu is mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming to get Grogu. <laughs> so but, he'll be here. You're not. You don't care, and I think that's very authentic. That you are okay with bringing all your stuff. All your memorabilia, what did you call them, your vinyl pops? I hadn't even heard that term. Oh, yeah, that's the brand. The, all these little little statues, are, they're called, they're, they're, they're vinyl pops. This is, uh, that's just what they are. They're just pops. That's just what they're called. Oh. And they're little three and a quarter inch statues. And this one's Batman playing, uh, it was the Christmas version of Batman where he plays Scrooge. 
So he's Ebenezer Scrooge Batman. It looks like, like a cat with a mask on. What's that? It looks like a cat with a mask on. Well, cat and bat, you know, whatever, <laughs> they rhyme. So, <laughs> But that's what they're called. All these little statues are vinyl pops. I did not know that, but very cool. So what are some signs? This episode, see? What? I said, look what you got out of this episode. See, there's value here. Absolutely. I bring value every time. <laughs> you always bring value, Larry. And I think it's funny, and I just want to throw out there that we're way better friends than you and Steve ever were. I don't disagree. Thank you for that. <laughs> if you did, interview over. <laughs> so what are some signs that you aren't being fulfilled in your career? And when do you know when to step away? You know, I, I think we all, there are days, obviously, where we go, I need to get out of here. I need to step away. But does that mean you need to step away on a permanent basis or do you just need to step away, regroup, refocus, and then go back to work? Uh, I, and many times I think we may jump the gun. And when we do just need to step away, really it's just for a moment. But it, we end up cutting our nose off to spite our face because we get mad and we go, ah, we're, I'm out of here, this is it. If that happens consistently and you find yourself not fulfilled in any way, shape, fashion, or form, if you're in an environment that doesn't facilitate the opportunity for you to be you and you go home and you're kicking rocks and you're at the office and you're kicking rocks and you, you, you try to have fun wherever you go and you're still just kicking rocks, then it might be time to reevaluate things and go, hey, I'm tired of kicking rocks and now it might be time for a change. So you really just have to do a lot of soul searching and it's going to vary from person to person. But I think the thing is, is that you need to take the time to make sure that it's not just that moment, that it's really that time. There's a big difference there. So, so true. And I, you know, I think it's important, you know, as a coach, I see this a lot, that people are very unhappy in their jobs and, but they were unhappy in their last job and the job before that and the job before that and the job before that. So if that's the case, I would encourage people to really kind of do a deep dive into their motivation and what's really going on there because if it's happening everywhere you go to work it's probably going to happen at the next place too so let's fix that let's let's fix that problem so that you can be happy and fulfilled and then figure out what your passion is and and maybe that's it too maybe you're just not in alignment with what your passion is and that's why you keep going to the like for me as an accountant i i can't believe i lasted 11 years at one company because I did not like accounting, you know, and, but I, you know, I would, if I had to keep looking after that company closed, I guarantee you, I would have been here for a year, here for a year, here for a year, because there would always been something wrong with those companies. So I think exactly. it's very. And that, that, that leads to an internal review because it's, it's not the companies necessarily that are bad. There may be, may be an accountant out there that loved every one of those companies. And they're just like, yay, I can't wait to go round up those decimal points. This is going to be great. But at the same time, for, for those that aren't into the decimal points, they need to reevaluate what they're doing with their lives and whether or not that's the career path that they're really chosen to go down. Yeah, and, and for sure, I, you know, I'm one of those type of people like, okay, if I start reading a book, whether I like it or not, I have to finish it. Ooh. And I know. I bet you did <laughs> bet you never expected that from me. But 
and, and I'm really working on that because I I want so there's so many books I want to read so I just if I don't like a book I just need to set it down but I just it's just a thing but I kind of felt like that with my career too I started this career so we got to see it through and so when I finally gave myself permission to look for something else that I might be passionate about it, it was game changing and I think yeah. that I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think that that's something that people need to do more of is give themselves permission to do those things and to have grace when it doesn't work out. Yeah, I mean, you, you never wanna just cut the cord and run off. I mean, it's, it's just like you said, when I, when I left the company that I was with for 21 years, I left on very amicable terms. And uh, there's an opportunity even later on this year that I may come in as a contractor and do some, what, training? Like if y'all had done this before, I'd have never left. But you know, whatever. Now, now they get to pay me double for my time. I love it. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a really cool spot, really. But that's my point: is is that you, you're not you you don't want to destroy relationships, regardless of the transition that you're on, or regardless of the approach that you take. Everything that we're doing has to revolve around those relationships and maintaining those, regardless of where your career takes you. That's mission number one. That's mission critical. No matter how mad your boss makes you or how mad this other manager makes you and how much you're probably not going to hang out with them. Maybe if you had the opportunity, you can, nah, you can come up with some lame excuse. I don't blame you. There's definitely managers out there that are that way. However, you still don't destroy that relationship because you never know when that relationship may open up that opportunity for you to do exactly what you want exactly at that right time in your life when it's available to you. So that's, that's so critical. I, you know, and I love that you brought that up because it brings me back to a point and this has been said so many times just today. It is a small world after all. So you need to protect those relationships at all costs and make sure that when you do exit from a company for whatever reason that you exit on good terms because you never know when that person may have an influence on your life later on and you may never know that they influenced it but they can so i think that's so important that you brought that up and you know making sure that you maintain those relationships i want to talk to you a little bit about work-life balance and how that might affect your career your passion in your career so what are your thoughts around that? I was terrible at it because I was more of life work balance. I'd always made my work revolve around my life. And I sit back and I go, hmm, maybe I wouldn't. And I love the position that I'm in. Don't get me wrong. Maybe it wouldn't have taken me as long to get to where I'm at. I mean, I'm 48 right now when I finally stepped out and I'm doing podcasting and content creation full time. So it took me, a, I went the scenic route, okay? But I do that throughout my life. Finding that balance is very, very difficult. And it can also be a very, very big challenge if you don't have the relationships in place that allow for that to happen in your career or in your workplace. So finding that balance, so many people have the opposite problem. They, they're workaholics, they bring their work home, they do the, they're working, working, working. Honey, I don't have time to talk to you about last night's episode of The Real Housewives of Dallas because I gotta get this spreadsheet done. I was just the opposite. I'm at the office trying to talk about the Real Housewives of Dallas. And <laughs> that kind of bit me sometimes. But, you know, I got to meet two of them. So that's kind of cool, right? So, hey. But, you know, the thing is 
finding that balance can be very, very difficult, but it's critical and it's critical from both directions. You can't have too much of either one and have a fulfilling career. The quicker we realize that, the quicker we'll get on that right path and the quicker we'll find our real potential in the workforce. You know, I think it's so important. I had a coworker ask me the other day because, you know, I take my time at home with Steve very seriously. And so when I'm at home, I am fully focused on him. And I don't work in the evenings. I, I don't. And one of my coworkers was like, don't you have your email on your phone? I'm like, yeah, I do. I don't answer it because I don't have to. I choose not to. So I think that drawing those boundaries so that everybody knows where you stand. You know, you may be a workaholic. That's on you. I'm not. I have boundaries. So I think that's really important. So what other advice can you share with job seekers to help them, you know, find their why? Ooh, find their why. Flexibility is so critical. And, and, and it goes back to everything that we've said here today. You never know exactly how a position is going to play out. If you see some components in a position that fit your mold or fit your idea of where you want to be, there's probably the potential to expand on that as well. Right approach. So finding that is it takes for us to step back a little bit, be a little more open-minded at times and look once again, instead of looking with that laser focus on exactly what this is, look a little bit to the left, look a little bit to the right and look at the potential there. And understanding that what you want to do very may very blah, 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 edit please. So <laughs> what you want to do may very well be within the confines of that position. So be open-minded and look for opportunities, create those opportunities. They're not always gonna be presented to you just in, in black and white. You're not gonna look down at a job description and go, oh. Pfft. That's exactly what I want to do. And if that does happen, then, hey, jump on it quick. But the <laughs> odds are that's not going to happen. So is, you look at that job, you read that description, you look at what it all entails and go, okay, well, I love this, 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 and this, and all of that could be applied here. Create the relationships to make that happen, and you're all set. That is fantastic advice. I know you're not going to believe this, but our time is almost up. What? I know. <laughs> I knew this was going to be a fun, fun, fun conversation. So I definitely want to get to our VIP questions, and then we're going to find out how people can get in touch with you, okay? Okay, sounds great. Let's do it. Oh, I'm just dying to hear your answers to these. So <laughs> do not disappoint me, Larry. Um, I will not. <laughs> if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? The three... Um, oh, things or people. Yep, well, three total. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, the one person that I would definitely take, I just happen to be wearing a sweatshirt right now. It's Elon Musk. So, uh, you know, Elon, he's dying to get up there. Smart cat. I'm going to bring him along because my odds of survival, they've increased dramatically if I got old Elon with me. So he's going to come with me to Mars. Uh, I would probably also bring Jocko Willink. If you're not familiar with Jocko, he has a tremendous podcast. He's a retired Navy SEAL. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, just all around, like, he can kill people a lot. So I figure if he can kill a lot of people, he can kill a lot of Martians. So in case there's Martians on there, I need Jocko there getting my back. And then uh, I guess if it was going to be a thing, it's got to be a microphone. Got to have a microphone. Oh. Microphone. 
So me, Jocko, Elon, we're going to be kicking it. We're going to be having podcasts on Mars. We're going to be talking back to Earth, telling everybody what they're missing out on. It's going to be a great time. You should join us. I wasn't one of your three. I said you should join us. Oh, but it can only be three? Yeah. I'll be your earthly connection. There you go. You'll yeah. be my earthly connection. You, you you will be my primary contact back here there at the go. Hall of Justice. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Stop. My face hurts. Um, what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Have my wife wake me up. <laughs> Okay, that's good. <laughs> Waking up is good. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, we have a ritual. And my wife, she's she's awesome. I love her for everything. And this is one of the things that she does. She she has a ritual that I have grown accustomed to that she wakes me up. And she sings in this. She doesn't sing, but she goes, time to wake up. <laughs> and then she slowly turns on the lights because we have the hue system, you know. So yeah. she she slowly undims the lights Aww. and she, she brightens the light. It's a process. It's a process. I'm swell rotten, but it's what I got to do. It's the way I get up. So that process right there puts me in the right mood, puts me in the right mindset. I'm ready to rock and roll. I have to tell you something funny just real quick. So we have the Hue light system too, but we also have the little yeah. switch, right? That manually adjusts the lights that you can actually touch and push uh -huh. instead of saying Alexa, sure. you know? So the other morning, I don't know why I decided to do it. Oh, because the lights weren't bright enough. And I couldn't get Alexa to turn them up. And so I got out the switch and I started turning it up. And Steve was already downstairs in the living room. And I got downstairs a little later. He's like, I thought there was a poltergeist in the house because the lights were going on and off. and Because <laughs> it was controlling all of them. I had no idea it controlled all of them in the house. That's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> We can't live without our hue. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, all the lighting behind me, it's run by hue and my whole house is, is hued up. Now my, my, my ring lights here, they're not hue, but the rest of the house is all hued up and on timers and all kinds of fun stuff. It's yeah, tremendous. It's, if you don't have a hue or, or a lighting system in your house, you got to do it, man. Cause it's way too much work to have to flip the light switch. Yes. Yeah, this is America. <laughs> we don't use light switches here in America. Come on now. <laughs> okay. My final question for you. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? It's funny, and I may have cheated because I may have read these questions ahead of time. So, uh, life was better when people ate donuts. Think about it. And I'll tell you why I, named, why I would name it that, because this resonated with me so strongly. And, and it just hit, I think it was yesterday. It may have been today even. Time flies and it gets mixed up when you're an entrepreneur. So it happened recently. Let's put it that way. Someone that I know they posted on Facebook, they had gone out of their way to bring donuts to the office. And they brought these nice, uh, they were Dunkin' Donuts, so they didn't go cheap. You know, it wasn't some off-brand or something. They brought this cat daddy box of heart-shaped donuts because here we are in February, the month of love. So he had this box of donuts. The lid was off and they're laying there for everybody to eat. Hours after he puts them out, he takes a picture. He goes, I brought donuts. No one ate them. So that resonated with me because we're so caught up in so being, okay, I'm going to say pretentious a little bit here. Uh, we're so pretentious. We're so worried about this. We're so worried about eating this artificial flavor. We're so worried about doing all the right things and saving the planet, which we need to do all these things. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. We needed to do them in the 80s too. However, guess what? We ate donuts in the 80s. <laughs> and guess what? People were so much happier. 
People were happy. We smiled more. We laughed more. We were more creative. Everything worked better when people ate donuts. And I think we as a society, we could get back together. We could bring everybody together. We could have that unity that we all want so much if we just ate donuts. So that's the headline. <laughs> I, I can't even respond to that, Larry. I just can't. So, um, I you. <laughs> how, how do people find you? Because I know they're going to want to. They may not. I don't know. Uh, no, my name is, once again, Larry Roberts. I'm the host of the Readily Random podcast with Larry Roberts, and I am also the owner of Readily Random Media. You can find me at readilyrandom.com or shoot me an email, Larry at Readily Random. Man, I'm all over the social medias, either at Readily Random or Larry Roberts. Uh, just look me up. I'm everywhere that I want to be, and that's everywhere with you. So by all means, give me a, you know, get up in my DMs or whatever you need to do. And I'll be more than happy to help you any way that I can. And make sure that if you do reach out to him via DM that you mentioned that you heard him on the VIP podcast. And I bet you get some VIP treatment. I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do. So do that. All right, Larry, our time is up. But I just have one more thing to say to you. Oh. You are a VIP. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So, man, this today has been so tremendous. And I got to tell you, I told you before we we started recording, Vanilla Ice followed me on Clubhouse. So me and my homeboy, we're, we're going, we're too cold. Now I find out that I'm a VIP. Man. Mic drop. Get any better? Your day does is done. Day <laughs> and that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.